and it's our finale. It is. It's exciting. Yeah, season nine. We did it, y'all. We did. Um, and this episode is about self-love and self-worth and self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about it in a more dissected way versus the Instagram social media way. We'll yes. talk about running baths and things like that, but we're going to talk <laughs> about the actual process of self-love. <laughs> we're going to put the image of Elle Woods from, still can't remember the name. Oh, right. Legally <laughs> You know, sitting in her bathtub with her pink uh, towel in her hair <laughs> on Instagram, Cosmopolitan Magazine. That image, we're going we're gonna to put that aside. Right. We're going to, like, really get into it. Yes. Um, yeah, but self-love, you know, when really looking at how we're building a relationship with ourselves, like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. We can break that up into categories. So based on psychology today, we have this broken up into self-esteem, self-acceptance, self-love, and self-worth. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with self-esteem. Self mm -hmm. um, the views and thoughts you have about yourself, this can fluctuate depending on different sectors of your life. Maybe you have high self-esteem in your work ethic, but low self-esteem in your body image. The biggest conflict to self-esteem is self-criticism. Self-esteem can fluctuate and relies on external factors. Self-esteem can be seen as an evaluation. Mm -hmm. So self-esteem energy is more about what externally is validating you versus what's internally validating you. So like your energy can fluctuate depending on, you know, if you got the dream career or if you got the dream relationship, that sort of thing. Um, and it really, it's very interesting how, to me, like, it can apply in different ways to, like, different sectors of your life. Like, the example of, like, yeah, maybe you feel really confident in your job and your career and things like that, but maybe your body image you don't feel so confident about. So how self-esteem is just this constant wave that's, like, continually moving and changing that sector. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really interesting how, um, two cat like how two different categories can play on each other. Mm -hmm. So for me I'm like I get a lot of my self esteem from my work. Mm -hmm. So if my work is dingy and like we're doing we're like in DIY mode, right. then like I'm probably not dating. <laughs> I'm like, hey, mm -hmm. we're just gonna have to cut that all right. off. <laughs> like you wouldn't even want to date me like I'm probably gonna be booty like <laughs> like you know because like my priority is my work. Right. And so but if my work is doing really well and I'm feeling a lot of success and like a lot of great attributes coming through from work, then I'm great to date. Like I would love to be out of the dating game and also like dating at my level, like dating people that are also producing, you know, in the way that I am producing. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting to see how those categories play on other categories um, and depending on how they're doing, they yeah. can dictate how another category is doing. Yeah. Um, Self-acceptance, feeling that you're lovable despite what you see as flaws. This is a steady knowing and acceptance of self, the positives and negative traits. Practicing more self-forgiveness so you can practice it with others. This allows you to be seen fully and authentically. Self-acceptance can be seen as an attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is like the energy of understanding that despite whatever criticisms or self-judgments you have about yourself, like you are fully worth loving. <laughs> It's not something that you necessarily hold over your head in that yeah. way. And like practicing self-forgiveness so that you can also forgive that in others. That's why we end up getting triggered so much by other people is because yeah. they're showing usually the flaws that we try to hide. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, this is a big one for me because I'm a big critic. Mm -hmm. I'm a very big self-critic. So I'm like, whoo! Yeah, that one just starts sending out pew pews. <laughs> Definitely. Constantly in self-critic mode. Mm -hmm. um, self-love. Combination of both the action and the attitude. The practice of erasing self-criticism in order to build higher self-esteem for who you are genuinely. Has been ridiculed for being egotistical or narcissistic, but those are not rooted from self-love. Giving yourself self-nurturing practices you may not have received as a child. Being able to witness your emotions objectively and seeing you can overcome your challenges outside of your present emotions. Mm -hmm. So self-love is the actual like practice of the day-to-day -day things and habits that you do in order to externalize the attitude of <laughs> self-love in that way. And I liked that they pointed out that narcissism is not rooted in self-love, which is very true. Like people yeah. see narcissism as like, oh, they're like highly arrogant, but it's like they're also taking from other people because they don't have an identity within themselves. Yeah. And that's like a big root of narcissism. Ooh, yeah, I mean that's a whole other yeah. topic. We talked about that. <laughs> I think it's about, we did a narcissism topic, didn't we? I think we talked about them when we talked about gaslighting. Right. Mm -hmm. That came up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's also, I mean, and not to totally get off on a side tangent with that, but I think it's an interesting thing, because I remember somebody said recently, like, we're hearing a lot of people saying how, like, they dated a narcissist, and, like, the word is kind of getting thrown out yeah, a lot. Yeah, rather than having an actual definition for what that is. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the idea, too, that, like, it, the word comes up a lot when people are feeling triggered by their traumas. And so it's almost a blanket word that makes things easier to be like, oh, I don't have to deal with myself because I'm just going to say that person's a narcissist, right. which is just like to play devil's advocate that other side of it, right. of like, okay, so if we just throw the word away and just say, okay, let's <laughs> deal with the energy at right. hand, you know, can, it, like, if I think of somebody as a narcissist, instead of saying that word, it's like the way to disregard them yeah. as being human, mm -hmm. instead of saying like, Oh, they have a lot of trauma within them, and they're not ready to work on it. That's part of the self, the forgiveness, right? The forgiveness yeah. for that person, and like yeah. having self forgiveness. So, if, like, you're able to critique yourself and like understand yourself in a compassionate manner, so you're able to understand other people in a compassionate way. But words mean things, y'all. My friend says that yeah. all the time. She's a teacher, and she's like, I'm literally going to start sending screenshots of dictionary definitions of people who <laughs> don't know what words. They mean. don't know. What words so yeah, before you start labeling people narcissists. Like yeah. definitely have a good understanding of what that is. Yeah. 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 Um, and then after self-acceptance. Oh, yeah. And just one other. Or sorry. Self-love. One other thing I really liked about self-love is that, uh, looking at your inner child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of that. The practice of going back to what does your inner child mean. Because we're all just really like big kids, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> I stick with that area. Or actually, we just have responsibilities now. Yeah. But we're, we're, we're still children. We're <laughs> kids. You know, we're just kids in adult bodies. Right, exactly. And now I have to pay bills, so there's that. Well, and the thing is, too, like, if you think about we love miniatures of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, if I see a water bottle, but then you show me a little mini, I'm gonna be like, oh, a mini! Oh, it's a, I want the mini! <laughs> It's like, that's how we are with people. Like, we're like, oh, cute baby. And I'm like, how fucked are we as adults? Because once something's not little anymore, we're like, meh. Right. <laughs> oh my God, people do that all the time with pets. Like, they'll get a yeah. puppy or they'll get a kitten. And then it like, grows up. Yeah. And they're like, it's annoying. I'm like, you like, you were in love with it six months ago. Like, what are we doing? Or kids with foster 
care. Like, babies are so much easier yeah. to get adopted yeah. once they get older, like, they're forgotten about. Which is why I'm like, I would pull up my own kids, but I also really like the idea of fostering when I'm older and, like, um, and, and in a place where I can. Yeah. And fostering an older kid who's, like, in high school. Mm -hmm. Just to, like, give them some support and right. you know because that's the hardest time in your life is going out they're like you're 18 you're an adult now especially in america right versus like sometimes in other countries like families are more tight-knit mm -hmm. and so you know you stay home with your family you know until yeah. you're like married but then again if you're looking at patriarchy then <laughs> you get married it's or, so it's, right? it's a whole, it's a whole <laughs> system <laughs> needless to say kids once we become adults are, we still have a child that needs nurtured within yeah. all of us. And yeah. so that being part of self-love is, yeah, I think very poignant. Mm -hmm. Self-worth. Knowing you are worthy of belonging and the good things in life. Mm -hmm. Accepting praise, compliments, help when needed, and giving without self-judgment. The level of importance you place upon yourself. Low self-worth can lead to putting others' needs first. Deflecting and feelings of unworthiness, if not succeeding certain goals or ventures. Can lead to imposter syndrome. Self worth is knowing you are inherently worthy just by your existence. Mm -hmm. yeah. So self worth, like we were talking about an example earlier of like, especially with women, like how we deflect a lot because we're raised to be humble. <laughs> so it's like you get a compliment, and like I know for me personally, I've been practicing more just saying thank you, like versus yeah. like receive trying to it. yeah just receive it rather than deflecting it. And so I think that's a, a big thing that people don't even realize that they do, but it's like, it's a small example of like your value and how you see yourself and like you are worthy of praise and reward and like the good things in life. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, not to get into another side tangent, but looking at European standards and like who's getting compliments um, and like, was it something that is an outward exterior that you were just born with or is it something that you've been able to like cultivate within yourself mm -hmm. and where that comes from compliments and self-worth and not feeling self-worth if you're not getting compliments right. you know like oh man it just gets into a it's a very interesting yeah. topic yeah. um and then for me my favorite thing is making my own definition mm -hmm. um i'm like yeah yeah we have these definitions that have been given to us and that's cool y'all but how, how does it land for you personally? And so I kind of think with males, the self-love is a deep relationship with self, a deep understanding of your love languages, your shadow, your light, your intuition, and always honoring yourself in every moment. With honoring yourself in every moment being the biggest part of it, because it's like no matter where you are, you checking in with yourself and seeing what you need in that moment, because that will change per you know, situation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and for a moment. So are you always taking the time to honor what you're what you need? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. What's your definition? I would like I said earlier, I think it, a lot of mine is rooted in self acceptance. Yeah. And I think it's something that like was instilled in me very early from like my grandmother and my mother being very much like people my grandmother's always like people come and go. Another bus will come along. <laughs> and it will only have you at the end of the day. So how do you feel, like you come into this world alone and you go out of this world alone. That was yeah. like one of her favorite things to say. So she's like, how comfortable can you be in yourself and like who you are as a person and like embracing that. And I really, I used to think that like you had to stay limited in like who you are. Like there's a certain expectation and you just are supposed to be that expectation and that's it. But now I'm much more curious about myself and I think that's something when you're practicing self-love be open to how you want to express yourself. Like the person I was five years ago is not the same person that's sitting here today. 
And my self-love practices are a lot different than they were. So yeah. like, how have I evolved? How am I open to seeing how I grow? Like, having your goals and your manifestations, but like being open to how they come about, because you'll be yeah. surprised at how they come about. Like, yeah. if you're so set on one, one pattern, then you're gonna like miss the other opportunities and joy and abundance that come up from that. So yeah. I think part of self-love is also, yeah, getting to know yourself and like understanding that your flaws are not necessarily a negative trait. It's mm -hmm. just something that like to be aware of and to bring to the conscious so that you can actively work on it and just heal it throughout your life. You know? Oh yeah, that brings me back to a point that we made earlier about emotions within self-love. Oh yeah. And how like in society, society has really taught us to like, that emotions are not a positive attribute. Right. That like, oh, they're just a nuisance that they keep you from getting where you need right. to go. They're, they make you make mistakes. Right. And I don't like that rhetoric. I think that emotions help us alchemize and heal and get to the next place that we need to go. And I would love to see us collectively in society shifting our language around emotions and be like, don't be afraid to tap into them, see what they're teaching you and how they can take you to your next place in your journey. Well, it's also like the, we're having the destigmatization de 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 of like mental health now. Yeah. Like that's becoming more of a thing where yes. like everyone's starting to like get into healthcare, mental health, and like seeing therapists and counselors. And I think that's a beautiful like first step in the right direction yes. because it's like, conscious awareness of like your emotions and what mm -hmm. what are they trying to signal within your body? What are they trying to tell you? And yeah. like if we are all so much more self-aware, like then self-love can just be this universal thing, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It can be a universal thing. Mm -hmm. Um questions to ask ourselves. Um how do we show up for our loved ones mm -hmm. and what does it look like to love them? And how do we reflect that same love onto ourselves? Um, when do you feel that you love yourself most? Which I think is such an interesting question. Yeah. To be like, oh, when am I, when is it the easiest to love me? Because like for other people, right, it can be hard to love you when you, when your triggers are coming up. Mm -hmm. And it can be hard to love somebody else when their triggers are coming right. up or their trauma. Um, and so when is it easiest, mm -hmm. you know? Um, when is the most natural? Yeah, yeah, like if you're like really in your flow, and you're like, I was vegan, I was going <laughs> yoga every day, I was getting up early, working, meditating before work. I feel like that was a video I saw about like why she was like, the girl was like, yeah, I need to stop dating men because when I'm not dating men, I'm vegan, I'm working out all the time, I'm getting up to meditate, start work. But as I start dating somebody, she's like, I get fucked up, I ain't vegan anymore. I'm too much ice cream. Ain't oh, no. <laughs> doing my meditation. And when do you feel that it is most hard to love yourself? Yeah. And kind of like you said, when our hard moments come up, mm -hmm. can we lean into them? Yeah. You know? Lean into the resistance, my favorite saying going <laughs> Lean into the resistance. I'm like, okay. Yes. Got it. Got lean it. into it. And explore what's there. I think we get so afraid of it, you know, and afraid of other people's judgments of us. I mean, think about when you start dating somebody, like you put your, uh, you put your sun sign forward, <laughs> you know, like your best attributes and it's really a time. And like, I think it's so natural for us. Like we're so used to doing that. Like we're like, Oh, sell myself, you know, 
and it's like you've got your highlighter on the cheeks and you're smiling and um, and then once our shadow cells come up, we get scared. Mm-hmm. We get scared that somebody is gonna like reject us. Right. And that's happened, you know, we deal with that. Yeah. Um, and the right people say. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why it's like important that you always present your most authentic self. Yes. Because like psych- like psychology wise, I think it takes six months for the shadow self to make itself known. So mm-hmm. like six months into a relationship is when you actually start to see the shadow of the person. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're in full self-acceptance of who you are, then it's gonna be easier when that shadow still starts showing up, and if that person does reject you, you won't be so shaken by yeah. it because you still have a very solid sense of sense. Yeah, core. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are some questions for you guys to take away for yourselves, and then what is your self worth attached to? Which I think is so interesting to look at. Um, and what do each of them look like? So is your self worth attached to how much money you make? Mm-hmm. Is your self worth attached to an image? Mm-hmm. To your job? Is your self-worth attached to your relationships? Is it attached to status? To um, your relationship with spirit? And what does it look like for other stages? I like, for me, I think about, you know, um, when I first moved away from home to California, I had a boyfriend, I left, I left that relationship and I was leaning on my friends and my mom and I just graduated from school. So I was no longer a student. I wasn't in a relationship. I wasn't uh, with family anymore, with my friends, and I was in this new place. And I was just like, I had an identity crisis. That's actually when Imani came in. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, my birth name's Rachel, mm-hmm. and it was right then that I started going by Imani. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like, oh my gosh, who am I? Mm-hmm. And it allowed, it was really, it was scary, but it allowed for this place of um, self-exploration mm-hmm. to get to decide who I was. And I was fluid after that and like started doing more things in the arts. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, being stripped of the things that made me feel my worth. And you were sitting with yourself, so, who are you? Like, right. that's, the, that's the question. And I think coming back to your spirit mm-hmm. is, you know, for me it was like, I chose that name Imani, which means to have faith. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I was telling myself to have faith in myself and in my spirit because no matter how many external material things are taken away from you, if you can still have a strong core, yeah. that's it. You're solid. That's it. Because it, life changes in an instant. Yeah. Like literally in an instant. So it's like if we put all our self worth into external things, like we would be all over the place. Like <laughs> you literally, you wouldn't know how to function. No. Like you have to have a strong sense of self worth within yourself first and foremost. Yeah. 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 Um, we both have some tips, so I'll save mine and I'll give the number two to share yours. Um, so for me, self-love is a frequency practice is really big. So within quantum, I look at frequency, vibration, um, energy, whichever words you choose, and how that is playing out from your subconscious to your consciousness. So, you know, as, as we know, um, most of our actions are derived from our subconscious. They're from limited belief systems. Or from, sorry, not limited, they're from belief systems that are rooted within us. We have an episode on the two y'all want to go back. We do. <laughs> we can go back and listen to that. That's that's true. That's true. We should go back and redo, not redo, but do a part two. Uh, part two to that. Because now we have belief systems. Yes. Facts. <laughs> yes, that would be great. Yeah. Um, but thinking of all the ways that different frequencies help you align 
with the subconscious that you want, that has the strongest sense of self, the strongest sense of self-love. Um, and so a few tips that I use are making a playlist, so creating a self-love playlist. Music is frequency. So what are the lyrics telling you in these songs that you're listening to? Um, and can you make a self-love playlist that really helps you lean into the self-acceptance place, the compassion for self? Um, feeling, tapping into that feeling of what it feels like to love you. Um, and then writing um, letters to yourself while you're listening to that. So while you're staying in that place of that frequency, writing things out um, as a way of externalizing those thoughts because essentially your thoughts about yourself and the language that you use for yourself is also a frequency. Mm -hmm. um, and how you speak to yourself um, is also a frequency, and it's something that gets so forgotten because once we get into a tough spot, and we're like, oh my god, I'm so stupid, da 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 da, da. Like, we like forget that we're doing it. We forget everything, and all the lot of us go back to like, you're like, wait, I thought I'm programmed for this. It's like, actually, it's just waiting for a trigger. Just waiting for a trigger to come back up. And then, like, now you're trying to fight it in real time. So, it's really important to have language for ourselves. Um, and doing that as like a daily practice in the morning, like I say, you know, you do anything for 21 days, you know, you do anything for three months, like three, things come in threes. So 21 days, three months, um, go out farther, go six months, go nine months. Um, practicing that in the morning with a self-love playlist and writing to yourself um, can be really helpful. Uh, and then keeping company around you that aids in your self-love. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, being mindful of the people in your life that keep toxic toxic patterns with you. And I like to refrain from saying that the person is toxic. Mm -hmm. Yes, we can have people that are like they're toxic, but the thing is, is that we can also be toxic for right. other people too. Everyone's toxic, y'all. Everyone's just embrace that. <laughs> yeah. We all we are all toxic in some kind of way. We're here, we're <laughs> here to break the news. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> toxic. <laughs> But it's like, I like to think of it as chemistry. So like when we say, oh yeah, I have so much chemistry with that person. It's like, oh, well my makeup and their makeup, what does it do together? And sometimes your makeup with somebody else brings out all of your triggers and all of your toxicities. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? Maybe we don't want to go down that path. Yeah. It's like when I thought I wanted a twin flame. Like first she did it. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Experience that's being triggered in one way. Mm -hmm. Another practice that was really good um, 
as well that I've done before in the past is writing something positive about myself and then also writing a negative that came up that was like trying to deflect mm-hmm. and like breaking down where that deflection was coming from. That's a really good practice as well. Deflection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if you deflection. Uh, working on compassion and nurturing with inner child practices. So again, the inner child being such a strong conduit of how we operate within our system and our worlds and our inner like dialogues with ourselves, really coming up with a compassionate relationship with your inner child. Like imagine if your five-year-old self is with you all the time. Mm-hmm. And like if you are starting to get upset or emotional about certain things, or you're starting to feel that like inner child starts to cry or throw a tantrum, ask yourself, like, what do you need in this moment? Why do you need this in this moment? And it can definitely show you how patterns from like family experiences show up in your relationships a lot. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, face ID. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get that face ID. Oh my gosh. I saw a thing about robots and I was like thinking about like how one day like we could have like clones of ourselves. Like, <laughs> we to open our phones. There was a sh- there was a movie that did that. I think it was iRobot, wasn't it? I, yeah, yeah, where you could put yourself like in a hibernated Ooh. thing and then your clone could go out for you. Ooh, we got that. Yeah. Oof. Uh, acceptance of shadow self. That's a big part of my practice, like where it stems from, how can we understood, and work for self-healing. So not coming to your shadow self with judgment. Yeah. Being really open to um, how it's showing up and showing yourself more compassion around it. A lot of the times our shadow and our inner child are connected deeply in some way. Yeah. So that's something that's a beautiful relationship to develop. Because the shadow self is never going to go away. Like I have people be like, I want to heal yeah, my shadow. Right. Like, yeah. You're never going to heal the shadow. You're just going to become friends with it. And then you're going to have tea with it. <laughs> Lessons about self love in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
also like keeping the people that you're inspired by around you is like really yeah. important for self-love too because it helps you with understanding that like the people you're inspired by like they have the same traits that you have within you you just are awakening them and knowing that people are coming for seasons mm -hmm. too yes so like temporary. you can be really inspired by somebody for a moment in time mm -hmm. and then that like you know when a relationship is kind of like you get all the signs yeah <laughs> And then boundary setting. So a lot of times people see boundaries as a negative. And I saw this beautiful quote recently that was like, boundary setting isn't about keeping other people out. It's about preserving yourself so that you can mm -hmm. let other people in. Yeah. Because a lot of times people see boundaries and like, oh, I said no, and I feel guilty for saying no. But like, do you actually want to interact with someone that you said yes to that you actually didn't want to say yes to? Yeah. Like, no, it just starts to eat away at yourself. So boundaries. And nobody setting. wants to interact with you if you don't really want to interact with them either. Honestly, like, no. They, some people might feel like they want to push, right. but if you're like telling somebody they really don't want to be around you, right. sure you want to be around them, they're gonna be like, yeah, no. no exactly. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was my final tip. That was to be to be harmonious. Mm -hmm. um, well, we're in story time now. <laughs> So, like, oh, <laughs> yeah, this is story time. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So, like, self-love to me used to be, like, very much like the Instagram social media self-love, where I'm just like, it's just this big umbrella. Like, and I need to practice self-love. And, like, I remember going to therapy for the first time in 2014, crying and being like, I have self-esteem issues. She's like, you don't have self-esteem issues. <laughs> She's like, you know you're competent. I'm like, you're right. I do know I'm competent. Like, why do I feel this way? She's like, you have a self-worth issue. She was like, you don't see your wrong category. Yeah, she was like, you have high self-esteem. Like, you know you're talented. You know you can assert yourself in certain ways. But self-worth, you have issues in your interpersonal relationships because you don't see yourself as worthy in these situations. So you try to prove your worthiness. And I was like, my mind was blown. There's categories to self-love. Who knew? So after that, like her talking about that, I started seeing, it helped me with seeing that like the flaws weren't necessarily like total like night, like black and white. It was like, there's nuances to this. So that helped with that experience for sure. Um, and like understanding that because I was feeling like really competent in like my creative sector, my design sector, things like that doesn't necessarily mean that I was invalid in how I was exper in experiencing other things within my life as well. Mm -hmm. I think that was a big lesson. Um, and I think it ties back into my like inner child experience or my childhood experience of not really my small achievements being like praise in any sort of way. Like my grandmother was probably the only one who like, if I told her something exciting, she would always praise me. Mm -hmm. And then my parents were like, let's see where it goes. And then if it hits a bigger factor, then they're like, okay. Like the book came out and they were like, oh, you're an author? Like, oh, right. It's like, yeah. <laughs> 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 2018 and now we're just getting to it. <laughs> um, so yes, I think that the, and also that plays into like my need for, one of my big love languages is words of affirmation. So like the partners I pick and the people I pick to partner with, like, that's always been something that I've always needed from them, is like words of affirmation. And so it's like that child is still seeking like the the praise yeah. in certain ways. Um, so I have to like do a lot of self-worth around like when you're not getting the praise, like how do you feel about yourself in those moments? And I had to like return back to the practices that like my grandmother was always talking about, my mom was always talking about, like 
you, no matter what's happening around you, like no matter what's being told to you, good or bad, like who are you at the end of the day? Yeah. So yeah. And then I think I have a constant inner critic because of my Capricorn moon and my Virgo Mars. I think they tag team each other. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Very much 
kind of a leader when it came to like the software sector because he's a white British man. So he's like, I'm gonna ask for what I want and I'm gonna get what I want easily. But it's something where I kind of like learned from him how to negotiate like salaries and things like that. You know, even though I was terrified deep down, like he kind of taught me how to remain strong. Talk to you, coach. Yeah, he was like, remain strong and like this and this and like, you know, why do you feel that you aren't deserving of this when other people are getting paid that? And I was like, you're right, Dad. You're right. So I think, <laughs> so I think that that like helped a lot with the self acceptance portion. And they say everybody should have the confidence of a mediocre mm-hmm. white man. Yes, and my father is an excellent white man. So he is not mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, let's be clear. <laughs> yes. Um, let's see. But it's an interesting thing that's even been coined. Mm-hmm. Like that that's a phrase. Yes. You know, like people say, like you should have the confidence mm-hmm. of a mediocre white man. Yeah, but that's yeah. like, don't compare me to those people. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm not like them. <laughs> but like, it's so, but like a mediocre white man who doesn't come to the table right. with all the skill sets, right. let's just say, like, will be told to feel confident enough yep. to go after something. Because we're taught by our society that that's that, you know, yeah. you know, and like we see, like, we've seen a slew of white men as presidents of the states, the United States, you know. And I'm not saying that those presidents were mediocre. Some of them were, but some of them were. <laughs> yeah, some of them some were. Of them, like, not even subjectively, like, we, they're just flat out were. But, like, the, that idea that, I mean, even the idea that, like, a mediocre or below subpar, less than mediocre white man could become president. Right, a leader of the free world. Could be that, feel that confident. Yep. Yet, and I mean, that's really where we do sort of get into territory like narcissism, mm-hmm. but you know, that's another conversation. But that they could get that confident, that somebody else could be like scared to ask for a raise at work. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the, the parallel yep. to the idea of what it means to be a mediocre white man mm-hmm. and have confidence to just feel entitled yeah. to everything. Yet everybody else is like pulling for meters. Yeah. You know, which is like why that self love, and especially as people of color too is so important. Like yes. that self acceptance and like because this world will literally tell you that we're not worthy of it. Yeah. And it's like, no, I am. <laughs> I absolutely am. So it fits into the old equity model mm-hmm. of keeping certain people out. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. let's see. Oh two more. Uh, I'm like, what else do I have in here? Love and relationships, that's the big one for me on self-worth. Like that's the one that gave me my life lessons when I came to it, especially around codependency, because mm-hmm. lack of self-worth leads to codependency. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had been told that I was high maintenance or I had unrealistic standards by partners. So I would compromise a lot in order to just like imagining somebody coming in trying to sell themselves, they're like, You're really high maintenance. <laughs> <Here's the word laughs> I'm like, and why are you so compelling now? you're not this, you're not this, and then you begin to internalize the negative self-talk, right? And that sends you to your therapist mm-hmm. thinking about your self-worth. Yes, exactly. Wow. Exactly. It's full circle. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I also have a Mars, my, my placement is Mars in the seventh house, which means that, like, conflict and war in my relationships lead to rebirth for me. Like, I'm like, every uh, breakup is, like, hard, but every breakup I, kind of, I like, blow you up ten times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. We're good. We're good. <laughs> 
hard, but it's like at the end of the day, yes. I also know it's just going to push me further. It's a part of your destiny. Yeah, path. exactly. And these lessons came on purpose. Mm -hmm. They helped you. Yeah. So some of my biggest like self worth uh, lessons came from love and relationships. Uh, and like again, not like the need of like needing to be validated by like a partner. Like I've definitely worked so much on like releasing because now I'm like, oh, I have a strong value of self worth now, where I understand that like even if the partner leaves, I'm gonna be fine. So. Mm -hmm. That definitely helps. Um, and then, like, the big lesson from Saturn Return, really, at the end of my Saturn Return right now, is just being worthy of being seen for all the energy and talent I hold within me. Because mm -hmm. I think before in the past, I used to play down my talents a lot to make other people comfortable. And I realized I did that in, like, creative sectors, for example. Or, like, I'm very multi talented. And I think sometimes people see that as a threat. And, like, I used to, like, play back because I would be critiqued because of that. The yeah. old world where you could only be talented. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so now I'm like, oh no, I have a lot of energy. I have a lot of ideas, and I'm very creative. And I need to like manifest this and put this out there. So the more I do that, the more I'm willing to be seen and like seen for my talents, my creativity. Mm -hmm. The more I feel like comfortable with myself. So that's been one of the biggest lessons from Saturn Return. It's just getting comfortable with like being talented, being creative, putting it out there. And like not worrying about making somebody uncomfortable for it because like at the end of the day people are filtering everything that you're doing through their own experience as well mm -hmm. so it's like as you're on a mission and you're not like purposely going out here to hurt people in certain ways and like you're aligning with that and you're like still being conscious of how like the world is like operating so you're not creating like offensive content or like offensive right. art in any way yeah then like why are you why are you filtering yourself? Why are you trying to hold back? So that's definitely yeah. been a big lesson for me. Well, because that gets hard too, because that gets into when you're trying to do an output thing mm -hmm. professionally mm -hmm. that's for the world, mm -hmm. but then we're getting into like, is it gonna sell? And sometimes people are looking for right. certain things and then right. you have to like cater towards what mm -hmm. people are looking for. It's like that fine balance of like understanding your audience and your niche and then also understanding when it's taking you away from your mission from and what you're wanting to do. Yeah. And create. Yeah. yeah. So definitely that's a big lesson from Saturn Return so far has been like if you just continue to create and continue to put yourself out there and like allow yourself to be seen because you're supposed yeah. to. So. I mean, honestly, that's for me why I got into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because especially being in the entertainment industry mm -hmm. and being an artist, so many people are telling you what to do and yeah. how to be. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Right. We've got to like, Harness what we are yeah. first, yeah. Before going out into that industry, which yeah. is why I think, like you know, Issa Rae was able to do like her show, right? Yeah. Like she created something for herself. She created a lane, and then people said, "Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. we've seen that that can be successful, yeah. so we'll take it." Because it does get hard when you move away from a place of just doing it for yourself at mm -hmm. home and having to put it out yeah. into the world. Which is why a lot of people get scared about putting mm -hmm. things out into the world. They're like, "Oh my God, it's going to get critiqued by everyone." <laughs> Well, this is what's popular, and this is what you should be doing. And like you said, you have to find that balance mm -hmm. of <laughs> creating something that speaks to you, and you're like, no, I'm still doing something that feels driven by right. being worth for me. Yeah. But I'm also trying to fit into market, right? So we still live in this like capitalist 
you know, you'll have that thought come up from the matrix of scarcity mindset of like, oh my gosh, it's a lot of money. And then I'm like, you know what? I deserve that. And it's going to come back. Just do it. It's going to come back. And it does. It does. It always does. So I've been getting a lot better with that because it's also frequency. And it's bringing a frequency of what you feel your worth is. Yeah. Um, so I've been working on that one. Um, and then my self-love practice, like the self-love frequency, has helped me harness the frequency of self-love on a subconscious level. So that when I'm going through something hard and um, I'm doing it like self-lack issues, mm. the self-love practice helps me instill within myself um, like a strong sense mm. of, of self with spirit. Um, I got knocked off real hard. <laughs> um, recently I did a like a uh, basically a lot of healing work and I had a lot of body image stuff come up and I was super triggered by it um, put into a scenario where it was just like put on blast like it was just like it was the finale at the theater the, show, <laughs> the, orchestra, was playing. the orchestra was playing and like as it came up like I knew it was there because I had already identified it and then it was on display mm. and um, it hit me hard and so when once you remove the mask you can't unsee it it's there and so I, it was hard because I had to move forward with that mask undone and a lot of times that's why we cope like we have coping mechanisms and we don't unmask things because we don't, we don't really want to see what's yeah, under the shadow yeah 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 so um, it was so important for me to practice a self-love journey through that and really make sure I had people around me who fully supported me right. um, while I went through that because anybody that was toxic for me just was going to like make more wounds or reopen the wounds. Um, and I don't have had a partner in a really long time. And so again, back to the pleasure thing, like I take myself on so many dates. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh my gosh. I used to love that before pandemic, like just wanted oh, to eat by myself. Yeah. Uh, nice. All the time. So yeah, nice. before the pandemic, I took myself to the movies. Mm -hmm. I still take myself out to eat. I do that. I mean, that's just like, it's literally a daily, regular thing. It's so me. nice. Yeah. It's so nice. And you also, then that helps you know, like, when somebody does come into your life, and you're like, can you treat me as well as I, I treat myself? Ooh! Can you? Ooh! Let me tell you, because I be getting the, the things I like for myself now, and I be taking myself on dates. Right. I can do it all. So, and, and, and I, I think there's a balance, right? Of like not being too independent. And I had a, an ex tell me that. He's like, you're too, you're like your mom. You're too independent. And I was like, oh shit, you are right. <laughs> um, so allowing other people to show up and to receive. Um, but I do think that part of self-love is really like, yeah, how do you treat yourself? Um, I go, I go to massages. I either treat myself to massages or my mom does to give me treatment to massages, which is amazing. And my last one I was just in, I would like, she was, she was massaging me and touching me. I was like, wow, this is so sensual. Like for somebody who's not in a relationship, so you're not getting constant touch from another being. Right. Um, a massage man, <laughs> if you're single, get those regularly. No. <laughs> it helps. And it yeah. gives so much energy. Like your body holds so much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, oh my gosh. Um, and spending quality time alone instead of just mindless time alone is another big one for self-care. Um, cultivating my relationship with self. Um, I love buying myself cards. So when I'm traveling, like I'll get cards for other people, but I also love getting cards for myself and then I write to myself and put it in my journal. Nice, yeah. You know, and it's just like, yeah, it's a way to like speak to you, speak to yourself. Um, 
One of my bad habits with self-love is putting other people before myself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I do it so often that like my best friend, like she'll say to me, she's like, well, what did you want in that scenario? And I was like, uh, 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 I don't know. <laughs> just want everyone to be happy. Yeah. Lose your train. <laughs> Scorpio, black mothers, Aries, white mothers, you know, like, I did. 
definitely had a white mom. And when I've been around strong black women that I see as like mentors or older women, like all like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at a reflection of myself and like somebody who's stern, okay, I can do this. Because I'm so used to white women, you know, it's from like my mom. Um, yeah, so she loved everything that I did. So I realized at 11 years old, it was so distinct at 11, I was like, oh, I can bring home a C and my mom's gonna be cool with it. You tested it out. You said, let's have this test and see what happens. <laughs> we cannot, like, my two brothers older than me were proof, like, they did not do so well in school. Um, and I was like, oh no, oh no, we cannot have this. <laughs> so, and then I think my first therapist I went to that I like, really trusted and liked, she told me, the first image she gave me, she was like, it's like you're a pilot on a plane. And your little self was, your inner child was driving the plane mm -hmm. and realized that you needed somebody that knew how to drive this plane. Mm -hmm. And so the older version of you came up mm -hmm. and the little child had to go to the back. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, you've been operating with your little child in the back mm -hmm. so that the adult could run the show. Right. And it happened at about like, probably eight to 11 years old and 11 specifically when I was like, oh, we got it. So I started getting all A's. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in sixth grade through high school, um, 4.0 all the time. And like, if I was struggling in math, because I, I was, um, I, was my, <laughs> I hated math. I like, yeah, oh my gosh. But I would tell my mom and she'd give me a tutor. So she wasn't like, you know, an absent parent. If I was like, I'm, I'm gonna fail math, it's so hard. She'd be like, okay, let's get you a tutor. But I like definitely learned self-advocacy. I'd have to be like, okay, um, because nobody else was mm -hmm. going to be hard on me. Um, but then because of that, I became so diligent on myself. My mom was never on time. She was late everywhere. She was like, she's like, I'm on PC time. And I was like, yeah, mom, but that doesn't work. Because you're really not. You're not a person of color. So, um, so because she was always late, and by the time I was 11, I was like, we are not gonna be late anymore. So like, I had to kick in. Like, I was kicking her into the car to go to school with her rollers in her hair. So I was like, I'm not gonna be late today. No, get in the car, let's go. So I started to like really have to learn how to like play hardball. But it, it was really hard because it became a con in the sense that it made me a very big critic of myself. And it makes me so restless. The pro is that it's done a lot, like when I was in Oregon, I wanted to move to California and I didn't know how I was gonna get here. And um, I was I wanted to live with my grandmother who had dementia. And like my mom and my uncle were like, trust me, you don't wanna stay with her, she's got dementia, it's not a good. And I was like, it's my only way to California, I'm going. And so I was so adamant and so persistent and that was why I got here. And then like, you know, just even like stepping into entrepreneurship, like all of the things and successes I've done have been because I am relentless. Mm -hmm. Like I will be up at midnight, like on my phone, looking, doing work <laughs> um, until I like succeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and, and so I asked myself this question the other day, I'm like, when am I gonna let myself fully rest. Like, what accomplishment will I get to that makes me feel like I can finally relax? Because I still don't feel that way, right? And like, people might even look at like the podcast and see what we're doing and they're like, oh my gosh, it looks so great. So like you're doing this. And I'm over here still like, oh my gosh, you know, we still got mm -hmm. so many things that gotta get done. And I'm like, it's all gonna get done. Yes. The type of comes in. Don't worry. And I'm like, no, 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 I gotta do it today. I'll see you in a five. <laughs> 
practice, you know, like when you see things about yourself that have helped you lead you to success, like how do you find a balance of that, you know, of yeah. like, it doesn't, you don't want to be um, a self-critic and be super hard on yourself because then there's not enough room for play and for rest and relaxing and compassion yeah. and enjoying. Um, but also I, I like to stay um, productive and I like things to be moving. Um, yeah, and then the, uh, my last couple months, the, the wealth disparity has been really hard. Yeah. So, especially coming from like a single um, parent home that, you know, we always were okay and like had what we needed, but like I knew that it was hard. Mm -hmm. And so I intentionally put myself around people that had, and especially as an entrepreneur, you know, it's like, it's all so much based on relationships. And so I was being very conscientious of spaces I was inhabiting because I knew like, you are as successful as the people that you have around you. And so doing that became really hard because I saw the wealth disparity and like people that I was had around me that were maybe also entrepreneurs, but like were in VC rooms and like, you know, just like had money. And I was looking at my experience and it, and it was frustrating me so much. And it was making myself work feel like I had to really change the narrative and see that my community was so much of my wealth. Yep. Because um, a lot of those people that are in those VC rooms have sacrificed a lot of connections to, to those rooms too. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's it's like there's like that double-edged sword. Or they didn't even have to because yeah. they just came from that world. Exactly. Like so much of it is equity-based and it's like if you always came from that world, you're right. here. And if you always come from this world, you're here. Right. Well, at some point, you might have to come up here right. if you want to be in this world. But to come up here, like, I think somebody said that's why people who don't have money, like poor people who, who don't have money that stay within their class are so happy. Yeah. Because they're not trying to be up here yeah, and seeing the wealth disparity. Yeah. You know, that's what really makes it so, like, mm -hmm. jarring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that <clears throat> that's played in a lot for me. Um, and I think that also came for me, like, from a place of not wanting to be a victim to my circumstances. Like, that was just not an option to me. I was like, you come from a single parent home, um, an artist parent who's <laughs> a beautiful artist, but not so business savvy. Mm -hmm. um, low income, like Eugene, Oregon, it was very white. Like, lots of family left me when I was growing up, so it had a small family unit. So I was like, cool. We are not, like, it really made me become a fighter because I was like, okay, we're not going to give ourselves an excuse to fail mm -hmm. because of my circumstances because I'm going to be the one that suffers from that the most. Right. And so that really, like, made me go hardball and like um, always kind of, I think to sometimes anything out of balance is a difficult thing. Mm -hmm. So it made me like very much feel like I'm not gonna be a victim to my circumstances. Um, and then I think because of that, people expected me always to be strong. Mm -hmm. So then when I show up and I'm going through something, people are kind of like, wait, what? Um, and so I had a big experience that happened to me last year around that where um, my flaws were coming up. And I had two people in my life. One, he was kind of like, he saw my flaws and he was like, I'm so used to like the happy, go lucky version of you, like whatever that was, like I don't like it, da 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 And I was like, oh, whoa, okay. You only accept me, accept me in this spot in my best light. Um, and then there was somebody else that was there that like, when I was crying, like, you know, full inner child temper tantrum mode, like, 
feel like all my triggers like was just there. Was she um, black woman? No. Yeah. No, it was a black man. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking um, about like how just even because of that, like being a strong black woman, it's oh, usually yeah. only other black, black women who can really understand yeah. when you are becoming emotional, when it is hard to keep the, the mask. To keep the mask yeah. of being strong. I mean, and then this is the perfect time for this conversation because of where we are in our climate. Okay. You know, what's happening. Everything that's happening. Like, we're so used to black women carrying everybody's pain, carrying everything for everybody. Yeah. And like, let me tell you, like, ooh, that just brings up so much for me because I'm so, I'm so sick of that. I've been rejected by people, and it was a very similar scenario, and it happened with other women of color who were not black, mm-hmm. and it's happened with black men. Mm-hmm. And they basically were like, "Get your shit together." And I'm like, I've done so much for you and your healing, mm-hmm. and you, and then you know, to just kind of like, like write me off, you know. Um, but yeah, it has not been other black women. And I do, in my life, keep black women, um, and pedestals aren't good, so I shouldn't have black women on a pedestal, but like, I definitely have a reverence for black women in my life because I know that we come from the same cloth. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, there is a deep respect for me with that, with, with other black women. But no, this was with... Um, it was with a, two different black men mm-hmm. um, where one couldn't accept me and, and one could and it's hard because the one that could, I just have a very tumultuous, tumultuous relationship with that person, but that was a quality that he had that I was like, ooh, I really appreciate that quality and anyone that I bring into my life that like when I'm, when my, um, yeah, when all of those pains and stuff come up, like, can people hold space for that? Can yeah. they see that and go, oh, okay, yeah, like yeah, this is something that needs to be Yeah, the full, the, the full spectrum of the emotions versus just, like, the one the one sector that they know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, for me, when I see somebody in that vulnerable state, my, and this is my cancer, <laughs> my natural inclination is to be there for them because I think to myself, oh, I'm getting the opportunity to see you. You know, like, this is a special space. Like, mm-hmm. I see it as a privilege mm-hmm. because not everybody's going to show you that side of them. No. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so if they are, they're like, oh, okay, I'm being trusted with this. Right. Let me show up for it. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. a lot of people aren't trained in that. Especially, unfortunately, y'all men, I know y'all <laughs> listen, but like, it's just, there hasn't been a lot of space help for men to understand emotional range mm-hmm. and like how to hold space and to process their own emotions. So a lot of times there is difficulty in holding emotional space for, for our friends and women and yeah. all the things, you know? Yeah, so, like, they're not able to hold it for themselves. Yeah, they can't hold it for themselves. Hold it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And not to excuse it, because I'm not excusing it, but just like understanding that too, like my relationship with men, I've like learned that a lot of the times they tend to intellectualize their emotions, which I tend to do also, which is why men tend to like me sometimes. Because, like, <laughs> your Capricorn moon. My Capricorn moon. That's an intellectual space. Yeah, I'm putting into an intellectual space, but I've also understood that, like, how unhealthy that can be sometimes. Like, it's good at first, but, like, when it's becoming so intellectualized, like, it's packed away, that's when we have issues, so. Yeah. Yeah, but a lot of, I've learned from the men in my life, including my father even, like, who's a very emotional person, but like the 
ability to hold space doesn't come naturally because they can't even sit with their own self. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been working on that relationship with my dad around vulnerability, emotional vulnerability. And, you know, he's like 56. And, yeah. you know, he's coming into that place with his daughter. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so we've had some really beautiful conversations yeah. because of that. Um, but it's a journey. It's a journey to, like, Call in the frequency of yeah. men specifically. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think even like for me with dating women, that's one of the reliefs. Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> is yeah. that you're like taking that part out of the equation. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually, I really am attracted to men who have a lot of fluidity mm -hmm. with their emotions. Yeah. you know, and can. But it's one thing to be sensitive with your emotions, and another thing to hold space for your emotions and somebody else's it's emotions. It's, it's very different. It's <laughs> very to like. See emotions and look at them, and not be scared of it. Like, yeah. yeah, not try to rush in and fix. Not try to rush in and save. Yeah, just let them be. Let them be. And then, like, I think when I see somebody who's emotional processing, I like to give them the space to express. And then I'm like, okay, what can I do, do. to like show up? Which is kind of like my masculine energy. <laughs> what can I do to like make this situation easier for you? But yeah, just being able to see the emotions and not really have to take action to do yeah. anything. How do, you, how do you do that for yourself? I actually have to tell myself to like, when I'm emotional, I'm like, you are not going to intellectualize this. <laughs> we are not going to work. We are going to put everything on pause, actually. Because I will throw up because my cat hormone. I will throw myself to work. And then like, mm -mm. like when you're feeling emotional, it's like, actually, this is the time where we're going to shut down the computer. Mm. And we are going to get a comfort meal. And we are going to sit <laughs> a comfort meal. <laughs> a comfort meal. I'm very yes. nice to say this. I love food. So like, <laughs> like, like I'm gonna eat and I'm gonna sit in my energy and like gonna try to at least bring it to the surface because yes. I still struggle a little bit with identifying what I'm feeling immediately. I usually have delayed reactions in my emotional processing, and that's why I'm in therapy because it helps me with like deciphering emotions and figuring out why I'm done certain ways weeks later. <laughs> but um yeah, I think that's a big practice for me is like to kind of counter my response, which is mm. put yourself into work. It's like actually know this is the moment to lay down, to like sit and like be still and like Give allow yourself some space mm -hmm. to process. Yeah, because if not, I would just throw myself into work, work, yeah. work, and then everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're doing so much so cool stuff. I'm like, I am, but I'm also emotionally exhausted because I'm not allowing my space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Gosh, it's such a great topic. Finale. Yeah, Finale. it is. I think we're long too, but that's fine. We are long. Y'all guys, you're yeah. here, so. That's a wrap up on season nine. We'll see you guys in season ten. So we're coming up on our. Is it going to be this season or our hundredth episode? Yeah, next oh, next the next season. We gotta do we're something. We're gonna get a hundred. We gotta do something special for that. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. Alrighty, y'all. Until then, you know, you can always check in with us, listen to our old episodes. Mm -hmm. You can um, find our book, Astrology SOS. Yes. We are in Barnes & Noble. We're in Urban Outfitters. We're on Amazon. We are out here, y'all. Yep, there's a link for it on our site, so you can order it through there. And you can book us for sessions. We are available for those as well if you want to come in and tap in and work on any of these things that we mentioned today. Yeah. We're here, y'all. That's it. Alrighty, see you next season. See you next season. Bye. Bye.